There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1105. Follow ID10T on Instagram. Go to ID10T.com for fun new and vintage items. Sign up for the ID10T email list at the aforementioned ID10T.com. Okay, enough with the plugging. Let's get to this episode, which um, I think this is really a fantastic episode to wrap up 2020. Um, And I will say, you know, I hope this year uh, of podcasts has helped uh, distract you, uh, help uh, from an otherwise very stressful year, help give you some positive takeaways, uh, some fun things, uh, or like I said, just allow you to kind of zone out for an hour, um, you know, and, and sort of shut everything else off. I appreciate you. I appreciate that you've listened to this podcast for, oh my gosh. I mean, even if you haven't been around since the beginning, I appreciate that you listened to it at all. Maybe maybe you just discovered it this year. I don't know, but we're going into our 11th year, which is a long time, over a decade. Oh my gosh. Anyway, um, this is Matthew McConaughey, this episode, and he was just incredible, like such a great dude to talk to. And it's on the heels of uh, his book release called Green Lights, which you can either read uh, in book form, but I recommend the audio version because he reads the audio version. And so what I find great about that, especially with performers, is that you can really hear the intention behind the stories. And especially because this is essentially autobiographical, Um, And I say essentially autobiographical because it is an autobiography, but it's a philosophical journey. So it's not just, I was born and then this happened. It's it's really about, I was born and then these things happened. And here is what I extrapolated from that philosophically, how I kind of navigated these things. Uh, And so it is... There are a ton of lessons. You know, I read this, I listened to this book, uh, and it's great because it's like, it just sounds like you're sitting down and hanging out with McConaughey for a few hours. And um, I may, I took a lot of notes. There's just so many great life lessons. And he's definitely a student of life and someone who has always strived to do better, even through, you know, rocky times, through times where he didn't know what he was going to do. And also, you know, I wish I had brought this up in the podcast because I'm curious to know how he, how he responds to this. But he talks about... In, he mentions it a couple times in the book that when he was growing up, his favorite show was The Incredible Hulk. I also watched the 70s Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk, which, by the way, is the most depressing superhero, maybe one of the most depressing shows in the history of, because it, it really was this sort of Greek hero's journey of – he was called David Banner in the series. They called him David Banner instead of Bruce Banner, but, his, but it's the same character because um, he basically – is just the loneliest guy in the world. 
And it's just this Greek hero's journey of him trying to find himself and get back home, home, home being himself, I guess, his, his old life. Uh, but he's got this Hulk situation that he's got to deal with. And I find it interesting that, you know, when you – this doesn't give too much away, but Green Lights is really McConaughey's journey. And, you know, oftentimes when he would find himself in crisis, he would hit the road <laughs> in search of himself, just go somewhere, you know, David Banner style. You know, he would go talk to shaman and he'd go talk to d- different people and try to get wisdom and understand and go on these trips. And for a long time, he lived – uh, like he had an airstream, and he would just drive around the country and just uh, you know just inhabit places for a while and then move on and I wanted to ask him like, do you think that was influenced by David Banner at all from the Incredible Hulk, who kind of had the same and really you know even though David Banner was trying to find a way to quell the raging beast that dwelt within him, ultimately, David Banner and McConaughey were both searching for inner peace they were both just trying to find it wherever they could and you know mcconaughey's green light means go means move on it means you you can go to the next level move forward uh banner's green light was gamma radiation and uh, turned him into the hulk uh ergo the super saddest theme song ever oh god that theme song i gotta learn that on piano the I cried every week when that show was on. You know, I I can't, I don't think, you know, McConaughey's journey was sad like that every week, but definitely that sort of like the journey of trying to, of of going outward to find inward, you know, and, and find that inner peace and find that wholeness. And he's very open about the whole journey and, you know, seems like he has become centered and kind of found found peace uh and so i really recommend the audio version of the book um i cannot say enough how much i enjoyed this conversation he was just so fucking cool and nice and and open to talk about anything and had such great information and so many great little nuggets of wisdom um so for me this was like the perfect form of the podcast like this is when I think the podcast is firing on all cylinders because, you know, someone came on, I knew who this person was very well, um, and I admired their work, and oh, guess what? They turned out to be rad. We connected right away. Uh, I learned a bunch of stuff, and by the end, it wasn't like, oh, I just had a guest on. It was like, oh, I had my friend Matt on. We just sat and shot the shit for a while, and I think... You'll feel that way with him, too. So thank you to Matthew McConaughey for doing this podcast. Uh, and thank you again for listening to this podcast. And, and hang in there. And we will see you in your ears again uh, in 2021. And until that time, uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and let's roll the thing. La, 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 la. Sad hulky theme, McConaughey. I'll stop singing and start the thing. ID10T podcast. Rawr, 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 rawr. Initiating ID10T protocol. 
Hey, man, how's it going? Hey, we're good, man. Look at this. I love this Zoom stuff, man. <laughs> what? So I love this Zoom stuff, man. Look oh. what it works. Audio, video. Look at that. Lickety split. You get off the... Remember when you used to have to fly everywhere and do shit? <laughs> I remember when doing this FaceTime instead of flying meant you were dissing the other person? Like it really wasn't that important enough of a meeting? And, and now, now it means you're a responsible citizen of the planet. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in, man. I, I, I'm getting, in many ways, I, I look forward to continuing this, this form. I don't – yeah, it, it is – I've been trying to theorize like, well, is it – like there, it doesn't really feel like it's going to go back per se. Cause I think a lot of people have realized like, Oh, maybe we don't need to spend money on offices. I do think there is an inherent benefit to having people like with a common goal in the same area, like teaming up and working stuff out. But I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the default anymore. I, I don't, I don't think so. It'll be, it's an interesting social experiment. Lauren. We'll find out. Cause will people go back? Have I, look, man, I mean, 95% of the people, of the meetings I've had with people, I'm like, I prefer this. Now, there's that 5% I miss giving a hug or being in the room with, but I'm like, to the other day, 8 a.m., I'm in Italy on Zoom. 9 a.m., I'm in the U.K. 10 a.m., I'm in New York. 11 a.m., I'm in, I'm in L.A. for an hour meeting. And at noon, I'm having lunch live with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It no is a green room, no hair and makeup, no travel, no plane, no waiting, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you remember, what was it, maybe 91, whenever Total Recall came out and they had the video phones yeah. and it was like, oh my God, the future, you know, it's going to be yeah. so neat. And now we have them. And for the longest time we were like, ugh, God, yeah. this is annoying. You can't, you can't make eye contact. You're like constantly looking down. And then all of a sudden it totally changed. And now it's like, well, this is how we're having our birthday parties, our meetings, our holidays, you yeah. know, for a lot of people. So I don't know. I don't, I don't mind it. I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. I, I don't either. I think I'm, I mean, in some ways, you know, in some ways it's an impre- more of an impression instead of an, an, instead of a definition, but in some ways it's more intimate. Yeah, I think so. Especially because we're like peering into, you know, it's like I'm I'm in my home. You're, I imagine, either in your home or a hotel. But it, but it's like it just gives you a sense of the. I really always used to think like you have to be in person. You can't. Yeah, it just isn't the same. The humans are. We're not designed to look at virtual representations. We're designed to see each other, read body language. You know, and and now I'm like, I don't know. I feel like we're adapting to this, and it's not <laughs> yeah. terrible. I'm in. <laughs> um, I uh, I fucking loved your book, and I recommend that anyone get the audio version. I mean, listen if you if you want the experience of fl- of turning a page, fine. But but when performers read their own stuff, it just it just heightens it to this level of like it makes it experiential. Yes, oh, good. Well, I that was my favorite read of the book, the audio read. Um, yeah. And I did it in about eight hours. I think the, I think the book read is six and a half hours if you buy it on Audible. But it took about eight hours. People told me it was going to take like four days, and it would take a really long time. But I I guess because I lived the stories and wrote them, I knew where the punchline was coming. Or I knew who the next character was, and you know it was so fun doing all the voices and all the intonations of people. Well, yeah, that's the thing because it's you know to hear your intent and to hear when things are light or to hear when things mm-hmm. have gravity or to feel you know. 
is like we we'd kind of be doing the emotional math on that if we were reading the book. But to hear you perform it, it really is like spending you know six hours just hanging out with you, and it does it does feel like a hangout, which I think is partially why the book is doing so well. And also people are just fascinated by you as a creature. I think they, it, and, and I, and, and it doesn't, the storytelling and the aphorisms and the kind of like, you know, Southern country lawyer, you know, it, it all just, it's almost like, Holy fuck. I'm listening to Matthew McConaughey do a Matthew McConaughey character. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love it. It's just fun. It's just fun to listen to because it and the sort of the, the philosophical because I've noticed you've done I know I was very fascinated by the fact that you've done some of the more philosophical podcasts. You did Ryan Holiday's yep. and you did Russell Brand's. Yep. And, you know, I would say this one is on the cusp of that 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 kind of like, what does it all mean, man, kind of podcast, you know, but um, but 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 the tone of it is is really your philosophical journey. And about halfway through, I was like, I think McConaughey is like a truth grifter. He's like, he's trying to con the universe out of the truth. And then later in the book you go, yeah, I think I'm like a grifter. I don't know. Am I a grifter? Am I just trying to, and I'm like, holy shit. Do you feel that way? I'm trying to work out the riddle like everybody else, man, trying to get away with what I can and trying to pick out some things that, 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 that last and trying to find some non-negotiable things I can rely on in a world where it's hard to find those. Um, it's, you know, it, I, I sure believe life's a game. We're all on the, we're all on the same rodeo trying to get our eight seconds and, you know, sometimes that means knowing your zone. Sometimes that means calling audible or right, right at the time. Sometimes that means sticking with the plan. Um, but, you know, life's a sport. So sometimes you do got to grift and sometimes you got to hustle and sometimes you got to hustle in both sense of the word words. Um, and then, you know, as I say, you step in shit a lot, a lot of times along the way. And, you know, how you feel about it after stepping in shit is really kind of one of the arts of living because, if you dwell in, you know, how bad your luck was, it doesn't do anything about the shit you stepped in. <laughs> right. You still right. step in shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Eventually so you still have to, you have to get a stick and like scrape yeah. it out of the bottom of your shoe. And, you know, no matter how many times you shout it, it's not, the shit's just not going to fall off. And, 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 you know, and if you are the one that has to scrape the shit off of your shoe that you just stepped in, well, you can either him and haw while you're scraping it off, or you can giggle and go, what was I thinking while you're scraping it off? You know what I mean? You got the same outcome. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do kind of wonder how, because I, I think your ability to basically just throw yourself into the wind and end up where you end up and travel at will and travel the world, you know, go on motorcycle trips or just like put a trailer on a car and take off and like end up wherever. I think that that sort of uh, living that way in the physical realm, I feel like that must have prepared you for the emotional side of that, which is just like, well, whatever the day brings, I'm going to roll with it. Cause I, I got to roll with it. You know, it's like, I still got to get up. I still got to go to bed. I still got to eat, take a shit, like all those things. You, would you say that that taught you that or was there some of that going into all of the travel? Um, look, I mean, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to do, I, I, 
think I'm, my plan is to do this exercise and actually go through the book and say, okay, what things did you pull off? What successes did you have, Makai, that you wrote the headline first and then you, you set the goal and then you went after it and got it. And then how many are what you said? Dude, you just jumped off the edge of the cliff and said, I'm going to figure out how to fly on the way down. Yeah. And I've had many, I had great satisfaction and got my, got to where I wanted to go or where maybe I needed to go and didn't know I wanted to go by both of those. So I don't know what, who's going to win that score of how much is, am I a, because I consider myself a very pragmatic guy, very constructive, set a goal, lean into it linearly, linearly and go after it and make it happen and now hustle and hopefully get lucky along the way and da, 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 da. But I go through the, my life and I'm like, well, a lot of these, you jumped in the pool and you didn't know how deep it was or how wide it was. And you just like, I could, I'll come, I'm just trusting I'll come up on the other side and did. Um, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's a, I got that line in there, uh, somewhere in the book, but it was a, it was a, a line from my roommate in college, his great grandfather. He went back home to Alabama for spring break and came back really excited about what he had learned from his grandfather. I said, what? He goes, I said, Pappy, I said, what's the greatest advice you could give me? And his grandpappy was like 95 years old. And he said, and I said, what'd your grandfather tell you? And he goes, my pappy said, uh, Best advice I can give you, son, is right here. You know, son, I've had thousands of crises in my life, and most of them never happened. So that that was like, <laughs> oh yeah. So maybe you know that part of that traveling and going around the world and seeing that you know shit usually doesn't doesn't go according to plan or take that exit off the highway, go explore a little bit. Uh, there's there, there you'll find you'll you'll see where it goes as long as you're headed in the general direction that's why i say like give me 16 lanes in in a general visionary direction and then give us room to swerve and in those swerves are where we're figuring stuff out stepping and shit hustling grifting doing all these different things but if you can tr- we can trust that our our direction our compass is headed in the general direction hey it's okay to get off the feeder road it's okay to take some exits cuz if we're going east if we're going to miami and we know we're going east we we may end up headed towards in North Carolina on the way. And maybe we could have taken the Southern route, but we're still heading East. It's okay. Trust that. Let's see. We, we can put that one away and just trust in that, you know? Yeah. And you'll still find, I think there was also something in there about like, it, it kind of doesn't matter what you choose, but just commit to your choice. Yes. Because whether or not you end up in North Carolina or Alabama or Chicago or whatever, you're going to find gems along the way. It's just sort of like what, like which path do you want to take? It's not necessarily that one is better than the other. But um, it's a really good point you're bringing up and no one else has actually brought up that point, but that is so true. I mean, I've, we've all done it sitting there, you know, look on one side, we usually know what the choice is, but the art isn't like when to implement the choice, the timing, you know, (laughs) but on the other side, I've done it. You sit there and you go, well, this or this, man, let me, let me deconstruct this thing. Let me, and you're in limbo. And you look up a week later, you're still in limbo. You look up a month later, you're still in limbo. You look up a year later. You, I've got I've got a friend who's been sitting there going, I'm not sure which one to do for 12 years. Oh my and gosh. Just pick one. I mean, you would have already, if you did just pick one at the beginning and just commit to it and go, I'm on a, I'm in, I'm in full hearted. I'm going to find out. That's you, a lot of times uh, seems to be a good, a good idea. It's like, it's not even about the, which choice you make sometimes just pick one and commit to it and say, I'm going to find out. I may regret it. I may not. Yeah. But that's also, 
I think that's also kind of the danger of assuming that life is a complete pass or fail. It's like a hundred percent or zero. There's like a, you know, we're hampered by perfectionism, which is the complete enemy of anything creative or artistic. And, um, and, th- and that's why I think where we really get locked in because we want to control the outcome or we want to feel like this was perfect. And it's like, yeah, but you, you've already fucked it up because you're not, it, you're just doing, you haven't decided. So there's not, right. those choices probably aren't even the same anymore. Like everything, the world has evolved past yes. where you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I think that thing that the great grandfather said about the thousand crises is, uh, the, the, the sort of the imagined catastrophes and the catastrophizing and, you know, especially now it's, you know, where we have a lot more time to sit around and catastrophize, but, um, but, it, but it's just something that you sort of said at the end of the book about, and I think it has to do with like when we're too busy trying not to die or something, we're not, we don't yeah. live because our survival instinct, which is supposed to be helpful can also hamper us in a lot of ways. Right. Because you, <laughs> you take it so literally like, Oh, I have to survive in the best possible way that it, it, it makes you inactive and you imagine all these horrible things. And you're right. A lot of them, like, did it make your life better that you sat around and, you know, gave yourself an ulcer, like freaking the fuck out. I don't know. There's a way, there's an affirmative choice. There's a way to play offense in every situation. Even if you're playing defense, I mean, like to use sports analogies, the best defenses are on the front of the foot. You know what I mean? They're leaning in. They're anticipating, even though they're trying to keep you from getting somewhere. It's like what I say about, you know, yeah, I understand. Sometimes we want to run from things. Or sometimes, yeah, we do fall. But in those moments, well, let's not run from something unless we have something that we're running towards. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, you're about to fall. Okay. Right before you, as soon as you, that instant moment when you know you're about to fall jump you know what i mean make the affirmative out of the defense so that defense against um oh i don't want oh i don't i i don't want to fail or oh i'm gonna die that's or oh i don't i'm gonna try and keep myself from dying is playing defense rather than saying the people that live the longest and are the or seem to be the happiest and this is uh dan butner found this out with blue zones when he studied centurions through through society people that live the longest and the secret was they weren't, they never tried not to die. They, they, they never tried to live longer. They never worked to live longer. They forgot to die. Right. So they, so you see the inverse on it, that, that they weren't defending something. <laughs> they were just moving forward going, I'm in the affirmative. Why am I living longer? Like, I, don't, I don't remember. What, is it because you see a lot of doctors? It's like, no, it's because I forgot what the hospital was or whatever that is. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't think about defending or I have to work to see how long I can make it. And that leads into then the, the, you know, the thing of what do we, what do we call success? What do we call quality? Well, we measure it in America by more, you know, right. well, live longer. Well, I'm like, I'm not sure you want, you want, you want, you want 60 happier or, 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 or 90 not I'll take the 60 happy. You can have the other 30 dude, you know? Um, so what do we call quality, you know, right? And, and, and we got to watch that it's not always just about quantity. That's not always yes. just a number. But I think that's, I think that's, I think that's some of what the realization is, which hopefully is not temporary from the last nine months where, 
we have realized like, well, yeah, all these structures that we built up thinking that we were secure and we're in say it's the universe kind of has its own plan, you know, like it's not, that's an illusion, but also, you know, look at how much we uh, in the last, let's say, I don't know, 15 years or so, 20 years, maybe longer, really romanticize that kind of like Silicon Valley, like sacrifice your life, sacrifice your family, sacrifice your health for the bottom line, more, 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 bigger is better. And now, and, and as someone who kind of subscribed to that when I was younger, now I'm like, I think I like walking my dog. You know, I know I like walking my dog with my wife at night. I know I don't want to work seven and a half days a week anymore. I know that it, it's nice to have space. And that, that I think is the, that what you're talking about, the balance, you know, like I, I think that is the, somewhere in there lies success. Do you get to do some of the things that you want to do? Yes. Do you have to do anything that you don't want to do to survive? No. Well, then you are successful. What do you, right. another billion dollars is not going to submit that anymore. It's probably going to create more stress as a matter of fact. Yeah. Well, we, we, and we, and we blindly follow that. Um, you know, we, we, we're, that's, that's what we're told, you know, what do you want to succeed? What do you want to get respect money and fame, baby? You know what I mean? And then we act surprised when those people are in leadership roles, maybe they're irresponsible in their role. And we're like, what do you mean? We created it. Look at, just turn on the TV, look at every advertisement, you know, yeah. uh, uh, more, more, more. No, don't go fix that toy, son. Let's just buy another one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, new and improved. Wait a minute. I thought my my. I thought our didn't our dishwashing detergent clean the dishes really good before. Yeah, but it's not. Doesn't connect to your phone, and you can't see the dishes get washed. So it's a piece of shit. You <laughs> need this new one that yeah. has all this technology that your last one didn't have. Oh, okay. Well, now it breaks more. Well, I don't know. It's you know, Apple's the best at it. Hey, listen. Oh, yeah. How about this? We don't have to do much new with the phone, but let's change the power uh, outlet. An inlet, which means everyone's got to go back and go, oh, my Bose speaker, all the speakers, the holsters, I got to change all that. Yep. But, well, I got one here. No, that's not compatible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not only just the, not only just the, the actual literal physical compatibility, but also there's, there's kind of this spectral uh, uh, social compatibility too. I mean, Apple above, and listen, I, this is the new iPhone. I have it. I get it every year. I, I'm in, I admit that I am. Hey, a they got me too. They got yeah, me too. Exactly. Wow. The, I mean, the camera, you know, it's like, first of all, the <laughs> last several generations of iPhone are such high quality that the detail in your mind, it's imperceptible unless you're like, a crazy professional photographer. But to us, it was great a long time ago. But it's still, they have done this really brilliant job of conditioning us, A, that we always need the new thing or we're left out. And B, we buy things that aren't done. Like there are still bugs in this phone and we accept it. They have somehow hypnotized us into thinking like, we need a new one, and I know it's not going to be done when I get it, but it'll catch up. And, I, and by the time it does, there'll be a new one. So, it, uh, <laughs> like we've this been one that gets me is they don't deal. Oh, you know, come and tells you, don't update this new iOS. It's mm-hmm. got all the glitches, right? Yeah. Well, that works for about a day, 
Notice how your phone starts getting really funky and certain emails and contacts are going out of whack and it's locking yep. up. It's saying update. Remember when the old, remember the old iTunes, how cool and navigatable it was? <laughs> I tried to hang on to that thing for so long until, I mean, I think my cord turned on fire one day. I think someone, someone at the head of Apple is sitting back on this, this, this number at this computer will not update to the new, to the new uh, iTunes. So let's send a, send a, send a lightning bolt through his system. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> brick it. <laughs> you can't really curate. Well, I like this new thing, but I want to keep this old one. Like, no, turnover. Turn Progress at all costs. But I also understand from the, the flip side is that, you know, if they don't reinvent every year, then people start going, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I guess they're losing it because they didn't. It's like, yeah, but when you rather have something that's no, nah, fuck you. I, you know, it's like people want both. They want a new thing every year, but they want stuff to work perfectly. It's like, I think ultimately people just want to complain. <laughs> that's really all it is. Yeah, well, and, and hey, you're right, man. Retail therapy. It's a real thing. <laughs> this episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. But that, you know, the, the perspective of hearing a very unfiltered, your point of view of your journey of like you really did get famous in a weekend in a in in a way that clearly was very jarring because you had to basically go on a walkabout afterwards and it, it, it did it does it still have you have you kind of made peace with it because it is a it is a very strange when you just want to be a performer and you want to act but it's like well I got to play this game a little bit so that I can get access to the types of things I want to do but it does kind of tug at the ego and it kind of pulls and all these other and none of that stuff isn't entirely real so what is the what is the balance and how do you how do you keep it kind of tethered yeah um well look early on as you brought up I had to take several walkabouts to go be with myself to sift through the bullshit and the truth, or at least the best I could and see what the hell mattered to me and let memory catch up, et cetera. Um, I think, you know, one of the things came to me after seven years in Hollywood and it was, the, it was probably the best secret that, that, that I had learned 
after I was famous and how to deal with it. Get the joke. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't personal. It's business, baby. Now, as soon as I did that, then those people who I was had many dinners and, you know, was on the, on the ballot to be their godfather to their children that now that maybe my last two movies didn't do so well, won't return my phone call. Right. I'm like, Oh, that doesn't bruise me anymore. Oh, okay. I get it. It ain't personal. I get it. Dude. Yeah, cool. And now then, then I go make movies that do. And now they're calling me and I'm not going, I'm not picking that phone up. I'm like, yeah, I'll pick the phone up. I'm not even going to bring it up to him. I get it. It wasn't personal. I'm not, it's, but, but wouldn't have got the joke. That person calls back later and you're like, Fuck you, dude. I remember you wouldn't even, you know. So I'm like, don't it, 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 just letting it letting that shit slide. So part of it is, you know, I've played the game. There's a bit of a game to play. We were talking about life earlier, the Hollywood game. There's a game to play. I understood. I have, you know, I tell that 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 rain of fire story. Yeah, right. I was aware that I mean, look, it's not on the book of how to get a part, but I understood, oh. I just shaved my head. There's a picture of me with a really chalk white skull that has dents in it. And I do not look attractive. And now all of a sudden the studio is saying you did not shave your head. And if you did bad karma will come your way, AKA you'll lose the job. So I go, Hmm. All right. Let's talk about Grifton again. Yes. Why don't I go tan my head really, really well and go get a really beautiful blue badass Gucci suit that accents my blue eyes and I'm going to this Hollywood party where big wigs will be. And I'm going to be in shape and I'm going to be clean. I'm even going to, damn, let's put some makeup on too and go to it and look handsome or as handsome as I can with a bald head. Well, it's no coincidence that the day after that party, when people had said that, Oh man, you're really handsome. I love the shaped head. It's really cool. All of a sudden, that person that said you're gonna have bad karma or lose your job is like, I love the bald head. You got yeah. the job. I mean, so I, I played the game. You know, I, 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 it, I didn't, I didn't lay down on my pride to do that. But I, if I wouldn't have done that, it wouldn't have been like, oh, I'm not doing that because I ain't changing for nobody. I was like, okay, I get this. Let's play the game here. I'm gonna give them the opposite of what they think here. So let's go grift. Let's hustle. Not everyone would do that though. Like a lot of you know, it's like you you can rage against it. Like some people would rage against it, or they'd be like, "Fuck this," or they'd be. But there is something in you, in your character, that just the same way that you know when you're in the village and they want you to, they think you're a fighter, and they this guy comes up and is like, they're like, "You're gonna wrestle this guy," and you go, "Well, I guess I got to do this." You know, it, it it's the it's looking at things as like challenges i mean it's not it doesn't surprise me that you did ryan's podcast because that's a very stoic like how do i make the obstacle the way how do i make the, how do i make this challenge it's like you you see green lights as happening but in some cases i see you as like kicking the fucking red light until it blinks you know green yeah, and then sure. you, and then you go i almost don't know if there are any red lights because i think you a lot of times you go well, how do i make this red light a green light or how do i so well, ultimately, I don't think there are. Like I said, I wrote, you know, I've talked about the, the, my father dying was a red light event this year, 2020, a red light year. Yeah. But, but, but where, you know, that him moving on was a big red light tragedy in my life. 
But man, did it give me green light assets, which I think I write about in the book about I gained courage to be a man from him passing, of not having him there to rely on, to have my back, to now own up to the values that he'd been teaching me, but I hadn't really been practicing because, hey, he's got my back. Now, that's not making lemonade out of lemons. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not into that Hallmark card shit, but that is saying both are true. And he died. And that crisis is a red light. But boy, it gave me some lessons and catapulted me into becoming fat prep, putting fast forward, really getting nitty gritty with becoming the man I want to become. So those are green lights. So ultimately, I don't know if you can say that's why, you know, I'm still working on do all red lights turn green or do they just reveal green light assets via them? You know, the art is the uh, is, is, is the is the yellow light. What do you do, man? <laughs> do you speed up or do you slow down and stuff? Exactly. Because sometimes we need to slow down for the yellow, which then turns to a red and take a little introspective time like we've done this year. Take some inventory. Why do I keep stepping in that same pile of shit every time I come around this corner? Well, I keep stepping on it because I've run the yellow light every time. I just keep going. Get up. Dust it off. Be resilient. Come back around the bin. Step in the same pile of shit again. Okay. Dust off. Carry on. Well, so we need a red or we need the red light to look back and go, why do I keep doing that? But a lot of times we slow down at that yellow because you said the word earlier, we, we almost think we want the pain. We, we, want, we want to turn the little crisis, the little problem into a big crisis. We, wanted, we find ourselves dwelling in it and almost being victimized by it. When in hindsight, we ought to look at those, a lot of those yellow, yellow lights and go, Fuck this, man. I'm putting the pedal to the metal. <laughs> I ain't giving that crisis credit. You know what I mean? That, ain't, that crisis ain't going to get my time. <laughs> That's a great way to think about it. But also, uh, at least in California, you can turn right on a red. You know what I mean? Like there are other yeah, things yeah, 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 yeah. sometimes. Uh, but having been in the dead dad club for seven years now, I, I do – I you know, when you start talking about that, I instantly understand. And I think anyone who's lost their dad understands because you, it, it like how, how to, how to grieve and how to sort of feel a little more independence without your dad to rely on is oddly the one of the, I don't want to say the last lesson they teach us. Cause I still, I feel like you know, the old, at different points in your life, you're like, oh, okay, well now I'm in my forties. Oh, I get, you know, like you, yeah. you do have revelations along the way, or you, I don't know if you find yourself saying something and go, oh my God, that was my dad, you know, like having those moments. But, but it is that kind of like, holy shit in death, they teach us stuff at the same time. It never, it kind of never ends in a, in yeah. a beautiful way. Well, and how about these, uh, the, one of the other great lessons is that uh, in death of a loved one, is that you find out that the uh, uh, the messenger wasn't abiding by all of his messages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so again, in understanding sort of like Hollywood, it ain't personal; it's just business. You can go, come on, Dad! I can't believe that was all about. So you raised me on that, but you weren't even practicing that. Yeah. Or you go, oh, okay. He wanted me to be a little bit better than he was. He may not have been able to follow it, but he wanted the best for me. Now, again, like stepping in shit. If our father dying is stepping in shit, either one of those two ways you look at it, our father still died. Yeah. So which way do you want to go? Yeah. Him and then haunt him for going, I found out you had a bill, you know, 
uh, uh, that you owed money to somebody and you said, taught me, all you'd always taught me is never owe anybody money and pay your money or whatever that is, you know, whatever that thing is, we find out where we see a, a crack in between what the message was given and what the messenger was doing. Outcome's the same. How can we take it and go, all right, I'm going to use it again. It's, it's, there's a, there's, that's one of the, that's one of the lessons I've gotten from, from my father moving on. Cause I had some of those things where I saw the gap between what he was teaching me and what he was actually practicing. But he probably just wanted you to not go through the same shit that he went through. You and, know, yeah. it's like the same way that for your kids, you probably say stuff. And in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I don't know. I'm sure I've done that before, but you know, it's better to just kind of, you know, sure. like, cause they're going to make their own fresh mistakes and you know, like you want to, Dude, but my dad was pretty open about that. He was like, oh, I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. He was pretty, he was pretty open about that. Uh, and I feel like when, and we're about to start trying to have kids, it, I feel like I'll do the same thing, but I, but I will sort of cop to like, look, I, you know, here are mistakes that I've made in my life, but you go innovate your own mistakes. <laughs> don't do, don't do this or that. Yeah. Evolve, evolve the mistakes. Please. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But even just, you know, hearing you talk about that, talking about your dad and then the business. And first of all, whenever someone says it's just business, I always feel like, oh, I get it. You're, you want to do something shitty, but you still want to be able to sleep at night. So you just couch it in this like, it's just business. But that, that approach isn't just for the entertainment business. It's like if we could apply that to the universe and not personalize everything, I feel like life would be a bit easier because we do tend to personalize everything. I mean, the, the, the universe does ha- have that same kind of sense of humor of the business, right? You know? Yeah. And so it's instead- business of living the business of life. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But it is, but, but you do have to figure out how to adapt to that. And that is just something that I think you, it sounds like you always kind of had that, or did you, did you have to learn that? Um, I think that one of the top, if I had maybe the, the top trait that I got is from my family and what was instilled in us was resilience. We were taught to do what I was saying earlier. You fall down, man, you get back up, dust yourself off and carry on. And it's gotten me a long way in a lot of different ways in life. In my 20s, I noticed a loophole in that theory that if you are ultimately so resilient you become an absolute repeat offender in your mistakes because because <laughs> you don't mind, you don't care about falling down <laughs> because you just get back up again and you step in that same pile of shit. And I remember, you know, going to my mom going, it's kind of like the golden rule, mom. There's a loophole there doing to others. You would have them doing to you, but what if not everyone wants to do what you want to do? <laughs> you know? There's a loophole in that one. It's, it's kind of like this resilience thing. And I, and I said, but then, you know, my mother is an example. She's 88 years young man she's got she is on it man she's with us because of covid not because she needed to be with us i ask her this question she's misresilient and and has never likes to be introspective and now mind you she can talk about any subject everything under loves both sides of an argument all that stuff but at the same time i ask her mom talking about message and messenger because you know our parents become people become more outlaws it's like you, when you're in 20s, you're revolutionary. 30s, 40s, you start to notice, hey, mom and dad were right. I think I'm going to be more responsible about these things. And <laughs> in the 60s, people become revolutionaries again. 
They right. are inconsiderate son of a bitches. They don't. Maybe it's because they see death coming and are like, I don't give a shit. I think doing. that's it. <laughs> you know? So I ask her, I go, Mom, you're fibbing and doing all this, getting with us. I said, what are all the stuff you taught us? I go, don't you have anything at the end of the day that you – you, you, you lay down and, 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 and make a list of like, I regret this, or I could have done this better. Oh, and she goes, Oh honey, I make a mental list every night before I go to bed. And it's usually 20, 25 items long of things that I regret, things that I could have done better, things that I want to improve on. I say, Oh, well, good. At least you're conscientious about that. She goes, but the thing is when I wake up in the morning, I forgot them all. <laughs> <laughs> She's like an example of like the value of denial if you really commit to it. Right. Well, you know? yeah, but, but I also think it exemplifies the idea of life being a practice rather than a goalpost. You know what I mean? Right. Where you it's and I guess it's sort of like you don't go to the gym one time and go, well, I am fit for life. Boy, oh, boy. You know, it's like it requires maintenance. You don't have to do it. But then as you get older, your life might get a little harder. Right. And so it, 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 but I think that applies to life too. It's like, yeah, you, you do have to keep reminding yourself stuff. You might have to do that every night when you go to bed and then the next night and the next night. And, and just, but I guess, I don't know. Do you think the trick is just like, well, just deal with what you can deal with in a day and don't like, don't take on, you know, the next 30 years every day of your life. I think it's, a bit of both. I think it's big day at a time with the big picture in mind, meaning I do think there's value. And this is why I'm a fan of, of people speaking about themselves in the third person, which I'm a big fan of. <laughs> because it actually informs us. It gives us another view of awareness about ourselves. Right. So we have the subjective eye. All right. I'm in it. My head's down in process all the time, you know, and I know for me, the best work I've done in my life is when, I finish on a set and they go, well, that's a wrap. And I go, okay, see you tomorrow. And they go, no, that means that's a film wrap. We're done. And I'm like, oh, it's done. Like my head was so down. I was just in it. Um, at, at the same time, um, I do like to write a headline first. Where are we going to go? Let's, let's see how far in the future can we project and be objective mm-hmm. to go, well, I want to hop out of myself and have a look at myself, who I am and how I'm doing is, and how the world sees me and my proverbial jumbotron in my mind and where I'm going. And let's, let's, let's go forward 10 years. So let's go to our deathbed and, and write our eulogy. And what would that be? That's an objective third person look at ourselves and our life to, that right. I think value and being conscious of. So I think it's just a, but what I think we have to watch is in today's world with what we're doing now and every social media and everything else, we live in the objective too long. Right. We don't. And, and I do think you need to stay in this objective. That's the day at a time you're talking about. The big picture in mind is the objective. But the subjective is primary. That what you said. Just deal with what you guys can deal with right now today. I'm not projecting into the future. Watch. I'll look up and I'll be where I wanted to be. And if I just handle each day as well as I can. I do think it's very good to have the awareness of popping out to go, well, let's have a look at myself from the Google map in the sky. Yeah. And say, where am I? What am I? Where am I going? What do I want to do? But we can't stay there too long. It's like the it's like the NFL player that's running the kickoff back. 
And, you know, they get to the 50, they get to 40, they look up at the jumbotron. They really like start liking what they see. They've now gotten out of the process of what they do well, the behavior of running that ball back to get a touchdown. And as they're looking up there and going, oh, shit, man, I'm going to be on Sports Center tonight. This is going to be on plays of the day. Man, I look, damn, I look good. That's when they get caught. You know what I mean? So if you stay in the objective too long, you're out of your, you, 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 you'll choke at the proverbial finish line. You know what yeah. I mean? That's a fun, that's a fun sportsy version of narcissist staring at himself in the water too long and, and just turning into a flower, you know, like it's, it's th- that idea that you keep, you mentioned a couple times about, you know, I think it's like, don't be too impressed with yourself or don't be too impressed. Less impressed, more involved. Yeah. Because it, if you do stop too, but, but then again, it, it is all, it is about the balance though, because, you know, especially with the, the business, um, it, I mean, I've been, I've been working for like 25 years doing television and, and it, and I still, there's a lot that I'm still not comfortable with. And I'm so interested to hear the point of your point of view from the, look, I think just we as creatures need to know if we're, I think ultimately the question we want to answer is, am I doing a good job? Am I a good person? Am I doing a good job? And it's not like there are these necessarily linear cues for a creative arts business. And so what do we look to? Well, we look to these kind of fake metrics, like, or maybe not fake, but we look to these not entirely realistic metrics of like, well, how did this thing did it were the ratings high? Did it make money? What's the social media following? Or is my phone ringing off the hook? And a balance of that, I guess, makes sense if you want to keep doing what you're doing. But how do you kind of navigate and keep your social keep keep your success cues healthy so that you don't or 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 what what do you look at? I, I know you started to just pursue things that were only meaningful to you, but but how how are you doing it now? Well, look, I've 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 I'm in a I'm in a really opportunistic spot right now for for feeling satisfied with what i'm doing the book was the most is the most truest permanent extension of myself um i it's doing well which makes me very happy because i'm like man you wrote directed edited you did everything you you lived it and you wrote about it and oh there's only one filter it's the written word we go perform there's four filters from our raw expression. Somebody else's script, directed by someone else, lens in a camera by someone else, edited by someone else, before it gets to anyone else. So, you know, and then there's that third, <laughs> there's that, that third act, which is that sort of that, that, that black hole, that blind spot. Like I've done many, I've done quite a few movies that I am very sound with why I did them. Mm-hmm. And still sound. I am very sound with the experience I had in the making of it but I don't know what the fuck happened when it came to marketing came out because it just fucking didn't work. And I'm like, well, ah, it's a blind spot. What happened? <laughs> I thought, I thought, I thought we, you know what I mean? Oh my gosh. And I didn't like that feeling. Um, no one does, you know, but you know, what I'm doing, trying to do now is, is to have, no, I don't want to deal with those, all those other filters. I want to even maybe get rid of this one filter and go, challenge myself going, Hey, what's the, what's the filterless character we're playing is in the big movie called life. The one that action was called one day when we were born and cut will be called one day. It's one take and there ain't no audition and we're in the middle of it. And so where are the hands of time watching? If you're a believer, you say God's the director, whatever that is. 
well, I'm questioning, what do we do? What am, what am I doing in this one, in this live show that yeah. we live in? This filterless show. And I don't need a camera following me around to document it. But at the same time, cameras are on, you know, with relationships with people. Cameras are on. Cameras are on right now. We're having a conversation. It'll come out on your podcast cast. Some of it will be printed. Someone will grab a quote. So it's, it's, it's happening. Uh, there is a movie going on here that we're each, we're each in. Um, I've just, you know, trying now to choose things that are, what are going to give me solar powered green lights, not the battery powered green lights, <laughs> the ones that are going to light my path until I'm out of this life and beyond. Right. The things I can do that I can hand down to my children that they will inherently take the baton from me and carry on and maybe keep, keep them alive or maybe even make them thrive. Um, what, you know, that, that idea of going to our eulogy as I write about and saying, what's our story, what story is going to introduce us is a really cool exercise um, of, of, of being objective about who we are. Um, and I found that, you know, the more we go to that place and go, you know, nobody likes to talk about death. <laughs> I don't know what the big deal with that is especially since it's one of the one thing we can rely on. It's like you think about it and it's not a morose thought. It's actually an invigorating thought. It turns you on and makes you go, Oh yeah, none of it really matters. Fuck. That's why it all matters. Yes. Let's exactly. Go. Yes, exactly. Cause I, I was about to jump in and go, yes, but that's what gives it. It doesn't matter, but none of it matters. But the death part is what gives it all meaning because right. it puts an expiration date. Yep. And I, I have had the conversation with people before of like, well, if we were immortal, would anything mean anything? <laughs> because how would you, how would you really put specific values on thing if not for this kind of this endpoints? You know, but it wouldn't have any form. It right. would, it would, there could be no. It would be the art if it's all just four dimensional. It'd be anarchy. And that's what you, I think you say that really early in the book. Where you, I think it's something about like creativity needs boundaries or it needs yeah. and 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 I completely agree that sometimes when you're given complete freedom to do something creatively it can get a little sloppy because you need it's it's like the you know the the, the pain or the boundaries like pain I feel like pain kind of uh carves the reservoir that houses the soul right if that doesn't sound too hippy dippy but it's like those boundaries are the things that sort of create the okay, now we're going to work within these confines and this is what we can create with that, you know? You look at, you see independent films where people are forced to get creative that are better than some big budget things where people, or you see that director who makes this great indie film and then gets the big studio budget and gets this endless budget and his next film's crap because he got all the toys, he had all the freedom and he wasn't forced to go, wait a minute, I got to deal with what's right in front of me. What's our best way to do this? We don't have a grip truck, so we don't have lights on this. So I think I'm going to go up here and just break this window so some light comes in. Or, you know what, uh, start that car, turn the lights, whatever. You know, it, 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 there's something to it. You know what I mean? And then when you do get more, how do you not get complacent in that freedom? When right. you do get more toys and you do get more access and you do get more money and you do get more success... How do you still sit there and go, I'm still chomping at the bit, man. I still, I want to feel like an underdog all the time. And everything around me is telling me, uh, you ain't no underdog, man. You're leading the race. And I'm going, uh. And again, it goes back to what we were saying, who are we racing? 
Yeah. Helps. That's who we're racing. We're racing the same person we're chasing. <laughs> I just have to process that for a second. <laughs> it's the first time it's ever come out of my mouth. It sure That's sounds great. good. That, listen, green lights too, man. Green lights too. <laughs> you need to make notes now because you're right. It is, it, and it is, and, and I don't think there's any, like, I love just, I love the openness of like, look, I was the rom-com guy for a while. And then when I kind of got bored of that, then I made the decision to do something else and you committed to it and you turned down literally metric buck tons of money because that was not the important thing to you. And then all of a sudden it, the, the universe just goes, blah, you know, here's like four amazing things, you know, after almost two years of inactivity where I'm sure you were like, did I fuck my career? Yeah. <laughs> but something about it, something about you made you stick to that and it, and it did pay off. Yeah, that was a, look, a, 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 a calculated risk. I write about it. And look, I, I was taking a one-way ticket into limbo. I did, And I really didn't know if I was going to work in Hollywood again. You know, I, I write about it. It's like, what do what, what you stay in your lane, McConaughey? You're like the go-to rom-com guy, man. Uh, what are you talking about? And trust me, I my blood family, my brothers and stuff were like, what is your major malfunction, bro? <laughs> what are you doing? And I, but then I was like, the way I told them, they were like, okay, we've heard him be convicted about ideas before, whatever. I don't get it. But well, 20 months later, yeah, it paid off. I unbranded to rebrand, so to speak. Um, uh, it was a, but I'll, I'll say this. I had, when that came, by the time the 20 months came, I was no longer wobbly in my limbo. I had found purpose because I had to deal with the family crisis. I found purpose because I had my son. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, there's two things, a new life and a crisis to try to keep continuing a life on, which we were trying to do with the family crisis that took priority over me going back and acting again. Right. And so it was a little bit, if you believe in serendipity or, or grace or what have you, when I, when, when my acting career became in the third place of my priorities and values, that's when the world went, here you go. That's really interesting. It, it, it is, it is. I actually, first of all, I took so many fucking notes from your book because it, you know, listen, I like in general, I like self-helpy stuff and this is self-helpy without being like on the no self-helpy. It's, it's just like, look, this is my life. This is what happened. This is how I navigated it. If anything in here helps you great. But I took so many notes. Like, I gotta remember that. Gotta remember that. But the thing, one of the most impactful things I think was about not chasing butterflies, but planting, but putting, but putting in the plants that attracts the yes. butterflies. Yes. And the, the chasing, chasing, chasing. I really do think the universe can sense when we're in desperation and desperate things, people are suspicious of desperate things because if you think about survival as a conscious thing, if something is desperate, there might be something wrong with it because it's needy. And if right. there's something wrong with it, then those genes might be flawed. And then that might not be good to, you know. Yep, and yep. so it's how do we pull ourselves out of desperation? And I feel like when we pull ourselves out of desperation, either with relationships or work or what have you, 
that's exactly what you said. It's like, oh, you're ready now, but you can't force that. You can't just go, look how not desperate I am. Boy, yeah. I sure yeah. am. God damn it. I feel so, you know, you can't, you can't fake it. So right. what is that process of letting go for you? I guess it was just having other things that were more important. Well, and what was going on on Benoist to me at the time was my success in rom-coms and my endless pictures of being shirtless on the beach had formed and created a character that not only the studios in Hollywood, but I believe viewers and audiences around the world have gone like, well, no, don't, we don't want to, we don't believe you in anything other, anything other than that. Right. So I'm gone. Well, I'm, where is he? Damn it. About time for another rom-com. I'm kind of hating it. Where is he on the beach, man? I've been seeing him every other week in, in the magazines on the beach. Where is he? Huh? Oh, forget about him. I don't know where he went. Now I'm forgotten. Now there's a flatline an anonymity. Then many months later, someone goes, this is going to be a crazy casting idea, but <laughs> you know, the new novel, interesting idea that I might want for this role in killer Joe or Lincoln lawyer. What about Matthew McConaughey? What, the shirtless rom-com guy? Come on, what? But where is he anyway? <laughs> you know what? I haven't seen him. Ha-da-da-da-da-da. So, you, you know, know I wrote story, man. They love it. And I think that's like, look at Cranston in Breaking Bad. He had done comedies and sitcoms most of his career, and he's a great actor. And then all of a sudden, you put him in this insane drama, and then people are like, holy shit, because they have this, you have this foundation of other stuff. And I think people just love, they love to see people like reinvented or in a new refreshing light. And this thing that many people probably told you was very risky. When you look back now, you have the benefit of hindsight, but it's almost like, fuck, it would have been riskier to not do that. Cause Bingo. that would have burned out your career Bingo. without a doubt. If you had stayed on that other path. Bingo, bingo, bingo. It's exactly what my pastor said to me when I was talking to him about marriage with Camilla. What's the bigger, what's the bigger risk, McConaughey? Going for it, taking the, the, the real adventure or staying on the one you're on? And I was like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you found a loophole. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, was, it was riskier, you know, um, in hindsight to go, what if I wouldn't have, you know, said, been to the knee and asked her to, to marry me. That would, have been, that would have sabotaged a lot of the beauty. And I would have not realized that the things I've, you know, seen and experienced so far in life with her. So, yeah. I also find it really interesting. One thing that is a constant subtext in the book, although you refer to the process of it, but you never, you don't quite say it. But I think when people think of, and obviously, you know, you, your family knows you, everyone else has this idea of you, they will get to know you more through this book. But, um, but just the, you know, that sort of Oh, McConaughey, what a laid back guy. He's on the beach. He's in sandals. He's like smoke bowl. He's just fucking, you know, drinking a margarita. He's just, <laughs> but what I, what I see is like, yeah, it seems like he's laid back, but look at the amount of work when you are focused on something, it really seems like it is uh, you are unimaginably focused on that thing and your, your successes that you've had in life are the result of not just kind of engineering your own luck and, you know, like preparation, meeting opportunity, but like real hard, even thinking like, well, I don't know if I can do three movies back to back cause I need eight weeks to prepare. You know, when you lock into something, 
you really, really work on it, and that is not an accident. It's, I would trace it back to an extension of what my dad told me when I wanted to go to film school instead of law school. Is that what you want to do? Yes, sir. Don't half-ass it. I'm, I'm, I don't know how to half-ass something. I, 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 I don't. I mean, it's like, you know, it's that thing when, when someone goes, hey, man, will you read the script for me? I'm like, is it your final final? Are you full <laughs> confident in this? Because I'm going to give this one read. And let me tell you, if you, and you want me to take notes on it? Yes. I go, okay. That's about an eight-hour process for me, bro. <laughs> I'm a slow reader because I'm taking it all in. And if I'm going to do this, this better be your, because if it's no good, I ain't ever reading another one of your scripts. Do you really, is this really the one you want me to read? Because I'm, if I'm going to really give it justice and take good notes, it's going to take eight hours of my day. It's not an hour. It's not an hour flip through read for me. So I always, you know, I have to, it's, it's why I have to watch what's on my proverbial desk now. You know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to do many one-offs. Because I don't know how to. I don't know how to just all of a sudden find myself completely in it. And you're going, no, you were just hired to show up and, you know, say your lines. I'm like, I don't know how to just do that. Right. <laughs> I want to be in all the meetings. I want to be, my eyes are open. I'm living this, man. I've got ideas. I want to be throwing them at you. It's, a, it's an all-encompassing obsession. And there's a great, I love being on that island. Love being on that island. But I do know that it means I'm not able to tend to a lot of other things in my life that are also maybe important and need tending to. So right. I've had times that, you know, I, and I think I wrote about the book when I shut down the music label in the production company. I was like, I'm making B's and five things. Maybe I can make A's if I just have three things. Right. You know, because we only got 24 hours in the day. And there's many times we're like, when we're fortunate enough sometimes to go, I wish we had 36 hours in a day, but they but ain't good. You know, like it's, then you'd want 48, you know, like there's yep. no, it, it, it is that like hedonic hamster wheel of like, it's never enough. It's never enough. So at what point, and, and you, you know, I see you as this guy who's this like experiential nomad, you really do just seem to gravitate toward like, well, what is the interesting experience? Not just the thing, but like, what's the, what's the experience around that? And I guess if, you know, just for anyone, just a piece of advice for you obviously have a pretty strong gut that you follow because it is, it draws you in all these different directions that's either innate, that's either nature or nurture. I don't know. It either might be innate or is part of it just go in a direction and fall down and then get up again and keep going and fall down and get up and then your gut will develop. Do you think it is developed? Yeah. That's interesting. Well, yeah, I'm going to, again, I'm going to, again, I'm going to take the middle, middle road and say it's both because sure you do develop that with falling down again and again and butting your head up against the wall to get the same and only get the same outcome that you did not want the definition of insanity, you know, right. You do that. Um, it's a version of what my mom's talking about with, you know, <laughs> but she's healthily insane because she just denies <laughs> freaking <laughs> while, while she scrapes it across your carpet. You know, she just says, I didn't step in it. I'm like, you did. You did. It's, it's right there. It's on the carpet. It's on mom. your shoe. I see. Yeah. No, it's, no, it's not. It's not there. there, there flies, no, but I see flies. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> And so it's a mix of that, um, that does, I think, develop a gut, but then at the same time, this, and my great, the great, one of my great mentors, Penny Allen, I worked with her 19 years. She moved on a few years ago, would tell me once I got in the place where I understood what acting was and I understood how to get out of trouble and how to, how to study and how to, how to, how to look at 
scenes and characters from multiple, multiple different angles. Her thing to me, when I'd start explaining this stuff, she'd cut me off. She'd go, you know. You know. Stop it with all this shit. You know. And just go do it. (laughs) There's great power in that. You don't want to to say that to someone who's like a a rookie, you know, (laughs) whoa, 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 wait a minute. I got to get, but get to a certain point. We have to trust ourselves a little bit more and go, I know. And when that, that we, when do, when do we know? And those quiet times, night, you're alone, they're in bed. It comes to you. It's going, how do I not let that truth that I know, how do I not let that dim when the project that I know is really not for me, they came back with a little more money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or whatever that may be. This might but not I, be a bad script after this. Is, oh. I can find an angle, you know, <laughs> and I'm not, a, and I'm not, I'm not a Puritan on this dude. I'm you know, I write that funny quip when I was in that 20 month sabbatical about getting only romantic comedies offered and I would just read them and say no and this one came in at eight million dollars and I said no it came back in and they offered ten million dollars I said no they came back in at twelve point five million dollars I said ellipsis 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 <laughs> no thank you they came back at fourteen point five I said let me read that thing again and it was the exact same words as the original one but it was a better script. It was higher, <laughs> it was, you know so I ultimately said no but I was like well now, hang on a minute this old this old one way you know Packs you've made with yourself of not doing rom coms fourteen five. Boy, you should have heard my brother's going off of me on that one. Oh, I'm what? sure. You're, what are you talking about, my guy, little brother? So you form them, but at the same time, yeah, I think we got to. It's it's it's. There's times where you go, you got to trust yourself. You're gonna when you you said you are about to start working on making a baby. Yeah. Whatever your hunch is for the first six months after your newborn quadruple down on it because <laughs> your instincts are like you are in tune dude head heart what matters you it, it becomes instinctually you have something in life now that you know you are responsible for taking care of because it can't take care for itself it yeah. becomes your 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 ambitions career ambitions immediately go to it at the highest number two on the list yeah instinctually and boy right there just quad down on things business relationships feelings hunches Bet it all, man. That's a good advice. <laughs> yeah, because that I guess my body on a molecular level would be like, you are totally clued in and hyper-focused yep. because you have to be to keep this being alive. So use those those animal instincts. Well, you get a quarter of an inch taller, chin gets a little bit higher, heart gets higher, all of it. You're like, yeah, come on. You know, the world is flat and you can see it. <laughs> I have a couple more questions for you if that's okay. Do it. Um, First of all, you know, what is an egotistical utilitarian? Yes. I've heard, I heard you say it a couple of times. I, I, I have a general sense of what it is, but I just, I want to, I, I want to just hear a little more of a breakdown. So egotistical utilitarian, it's the, um, it's a, it's a title for what I was calling the, the, uh, the, the super man or the right. super woman. And in college I'd written papers on it about, there's a place where what we do is the most selfish choice is also the most selfless choice. 
and vice versa. The most selfless choice is the most selfish choice. There's a place where what we want, what we desire is actually what we need. And what we need is actually what we want. (laughs) (laughs) There's a place where we understand that there's a responsibility to freedom. There's a place where we understand that freedom is a responsibility. These things that we contradict, it's where the I meets the we, which is we know it, but we don't, we, 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 again, it lands on us quietly at night. That truth lands, but tomorrow, if you give me a little more cash for that thing, I, I'm going to go more just straight to the, uh, the, I mean, geez, well, who wouldn't? I mean, that's what, if you get offered that amount of money, you should, that's what people do, right? Now I've jumped into the we, but I didn't jump to the I. Right. But I said yes to that rom-com at 14.5. Well, the we, that would have been like the, 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 would that have been more selfless or selfish? Well, actually it would have been selfless because I would have been going against the truth that I knew to be true for me. And actually it wouldn't have been the most selfish. And immediately it would have been selfish because, oh, look at all the bank I got. Right. I, would, I wouldn't have 14, 20 months later, been open to the opportunities that have led me to where I am now. So it's, it's the place where the decisions for the I are also the best decisions for the we. It's, it's the best place where the decision for the individual is also the best for the collective and vice versa. But it always, I believe, has to start with the personal first. It has to be personal, as we talked about earlier. Don't be objective to the extent that you've more than your subjective. I think right. it has to be personal. Stay in the subjective, stay in your own process, and then be open to those things that are like, well, this is what the world does, right? I should do it. <laughs> Who would say no to this? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's all I say no to this. But at the same time, it, it, I completely understand what you mean because if you had done that, it wouldn't have been for you and it ne- wouldn't have necessarily been right for you. And also, I mean, this might be an extreme point of view. It could have cemented your career in that direction. Like it could have tanked you a little bit. Like that could have been, who knows, you know? There would have been more of a gap between who I am in real life and who I am in my career. And I'm always trying to close those gaps. Yeah. Um, So, you know, egotistical utilitarian is, yeah, ego's good, man. That's what I mean by you know. We have to know that. And have trust in ourselves to have confidence. That doesn't mean you go be a tyrant. Right. <laughs> that mean, that's not what it means. Now, now comes the responsibility. What's more, what's more selfish of, of me or you? To, lie, to, to, to to pick my pocket? And I know you stole my money. So now every time you're around Austin, you're kind of walking along going, I can open my hand here. <laughs> right. Well, you may have got the two the 400 bucks in my wallet yesterday, but now forever and tomorrow, you got to look over your shoulder. Right. So what was more selfish move? Well, if you didn't pick my pocket, now you can walk freely with your shoulders back and you ain't got to look over your shoulder because you didn't leave crumbs. You right. bought yourself freedom. You did not put stress into your life. You did not create yellow lights and red lights in your future because you're not able to be present because everywhere you go when you're in Austin, you're going, people, if anyone sees McConaughey, let me know. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's a, even if it's just a short one, or I, I feel like there's another book exploring that idea of egotistical utilitarian. The exploration of where is that zone where the I meets the we is really, 
that's a really interesting space to occupy. Uh, yeah. And I, it's, it seems like there's another book in there somewhere. I'm, I, it's, it's, it's one of the main pillars of actually the one that I'm, I'm, I'm heading towards next because it keeps coming up and it's actually my greatest personal ambition um, that I have not achieved yet, but also understanding that you never achieved it. That's the fucking point. <laughs> That's the other kind of joke of the universe is like, yeah, it's always, you don't, yeah. there's no ta-da moment. No, no. The goalpost is always going to move, but that's the point is that you, you stay in pursuit of it and that's where all the juice happens. And even to that idea, you, you've worked all these years, you, you've, you know, 20 months you didn't work, you're trying to break this mold so you could be reborn, a phoenix rising from the ashes uh, of this, old, this former self. And all of a sudden you get all these amazing things and you, you know, uh, Dallas Buyers Club, all these amazing movies and you're amazing in them. And then all of a sudden you get an Oscar and it's like you're standing on stage. Obviously, that's a very validating moment. It means something. How does it, how do you not, how do you allow it to not mean everything so that you don't do that thing that we do about how you you're getting older? Oh, now I'm getting protective. Oh, you know, I got to play it safe now. I don't want to lose this. Oh, shit. You know, like. How do you how do you healthily accept that? What's the healthy amount of validation acceptance? Yeah, well, for me, I you know I gave myself a little time to go. Ta-da! I knew it, you know, what I mean? or I felt it. I believed it. I knew, you know, I gave myself a little time. But I, in doing that, I, I I'm very conscious that you didn't reach uh, the peak you got handed a a, 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 a a trophy that is the greatest sort of uh, acknowledgement in our business or is considered to be um, for work done. Excellent. I remember feeling like, ah, that means my craft translated. That means that I did what we do when we do our best performing is Everybody saw the we in 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 my eye. I saw the we in my eye through the performance. It translated. I we do a good performance. People see themselves in it. They see each other in it. Oh, I know that guy. Or oh, that's part of me. So that translation happened. And I'm like, that's was my hope. That's kind of the the intention. There was no gap between the two. Again, closing those gaps. Um, and I, I mean, I talk about this. There's a difference between art and self-expression. I think all art is self-expression, but all a self-expression is not art because no matter how honest any 13-year-old kid is writing in their diary, that doesn't mean it's art. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So right. I felt like, ah, I was even more, the more self-expressive I became, the more artful it became. I found that spot. I felt like I crossed that spot, rather to say. Um, and that's what, you know, I'm still trying to do. Um, but you know, it's not, I'm not, not, I'm not batting a hundred and, and won't continue to bat a hundred on this either, but that's the, that's, that's, that's the goal. Um, that did validate me greatly to have my peers go. Yep. And again, that it was a craft, you know, I didn't know, I didn't start taking acting classes until 1998. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, but I kind of did know what I was doing. I had the right instincts, but I didn't know what the heck I was doing, what the craft was. Um, 
So to get that and, you know, have that sort of that, that validation from my peers meant a lot, but it never, as much as I said, yeah, yeah, I feel great. I mean, look, pretty much the next afternoon, I mean, I still, I still, you know, carry the trophy around. Yeah, 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 I have to. I'm still going, yeah, I didn't want to dismiss and, uh, you know, not give full respect to the moment, but I was already like, all right, you've had major opportunities before in your career, like after Time to Kill, it's like, what do you want to do? (laughs) Which one of those can I do? All of them, whichever one you want. Yeah. I'm happy with my decisions then, but it was confusing. I was like, holy shit. Yesterday, the birth of infinite any, choice. You know, yesterday, yesterday I couldn't do any, and now you're telling me I can do all of them? Whoa, hang on. <laughs> what do I do? But I was this time like, oh, if this gives me more power and more influence and more opportunity, I can know what I'm going after, man. <laughs> I feel like you're at the, there's this video that keeps popping up on my Instagram suggested videos, and it's one of Jim Carrey presenting an award at the Golden Globes. And I feel like maybe you're in the audience. But he he, he kind of he goes, yes, it's me, two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey. And when I go to bed at night, I'm just not. I'm not a person going to bed at night. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey, dreaming about becoming three-time Golden Globe Jim Carrey because then I will be enough. And the audience laughs in such a way where it's like, oh yeah, they get it. They feel the. They know that joke of like this will make me enough. You know, of course it doesn't really, but when do, when are you comfortable with that? And when can you, when can you let that go? Yeah. 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 Remember, didn't he do it? He did a great one. He had a big opening. He had a $50 million opening and he came out on the Oscars and he walked out and he, and he had just opened that weekend and it was amazing. He just walked out like super slow. He comes up and he goes, well, I had a great weekend. How about you? <laughs> but it's that idea of like what you were saying before of not taking any of it seriously and understanding that there is that joke and it's not personal and you know uh i don't want want let me let me let me let me throw on this though yeah but taking it all very seriously but not yourself well no taking yourself even more seriously okay i mean i always say this comedy do you take comedy seriously uh well yeah i do absolutely i'm with you i take comedy i take my comedy seriously man yeah serious about comedy about what i think's funny and what's not (laughs) i want to you know uh, let me let me make another flip on 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 play on words that it it, has helped me i love to be in the know i want to know man well i also want to know what i don't know right but I'm still in the no. I'm still in the affirmative. I know. I also know what I don't know. I like to know what I know and what I don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm serious about this. I'm serious actor. I'm serious about comedy. Damn right. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it, it, I know it's a, it's a bit off the, the, the beat that you were hitting on. Not but. really. I mean, I get what you're saying though, because you, you do have to take the work seriously because if you didn't, then you wouldn't do the work, you know, like you, it has to mean something to you and it has to have gravity. But, but let me say this, that, that winning that, that trope, winning that award or whatever that is, that pinnacle, right? Yep. Again, I'm venturing to say 
if you take yourself seriously enough, you know that that's not the end all be all. Right. You know that that's part of the journey and you reached a peak on that certain hilltop, but that's one of the tops in life. That if you really take yourself seriously, you're like, fucking cool, man. <laughs> Badass. Yes, I did that. With a lot of help from a lot of other people. Yes. And a lot of things went away, all that stuff. But yes, this is mine. This is mine. I'm going to give myself credit for that. This isn't who I am. <laughs> right. It's part of who I am. And way to get to the pinnacle on that one. But it's not. This does not identify me. Right. That's the healthy part. Take yourself so seriously to be able to do that, I think, is what we're what I think we we could do more of. And not have it mean everything. It doesn't mean everything. And again, if if we look at it like we never know and we never get there. I got I got this title that I'm working on that 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 is also maybe for the purportorate around what the next book would be about. Chasing yet. <laughs> That's a great title. Personally and 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 and, and professionally, collectively as individuals as nations. We ain't never gonna get there. It's not gonna be a utopia. But if we can keep churning every day, going getting a little bit better, a little bit closer, that's as good as it gets. It's like science being the practical pursuit of God. You don't get there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you brought up the G word because I, you know, listen, I'm a lapsed Catholic. I went to all boys Catholic school. When I went to college, I was a philosophy major and became, I guess what you would say, agnostic, atheist, agnostic. Now, I don't really know what I believe, but also having been sober for 17 years, but I used to really bristle at like, release to God, release to God. And when I used to hear the word God, I used to go, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. And as I've gotten older, maybe it's wisdom or acceptance or whatever. When I hear it, I go, look, even if you don't buy into the old man with the white beard sitting on a cloud, you know, it, it, the idea is that we are not in control of anything really. I mean, we're in control of our, how we react to things. We're in control of, you know, but maybe the idea is like, Hey, you're releasing control to something that's bigger than you. There's something that's bigger than you. And you are acknowledging that you are not the center of everything and something is bigger. And so the release of that is like, oh, I think I get the G word now from that point of view. And what have we been talking about? It's come up many different times in this conversation. When that, when we're, what that we're chasing is not top of the list. Yeah. In the second or third spot or whatever, we do it better a lot of times. Because we're not trying to control it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so it's, I think it's, it's, it's shaking hands with that fact, whatever that is for someone, whether it's the G word or whatever that is spirituality that you go, you know, it's again, it's that place. <laughs> what's it all, what's it matter? Oh shit. That's why it all matters. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I, this has been such a wonderful conversation and Having listened to the book, I already felt like I spent a handful of hours with you, but um, but it, this was just such a, an absolute joy to be able to really deep dive into just the stuff that stuck out to me in the book. And I, I really hope people listen to it, or at least read it, but listen to it and really experience it because you are, you know, 
you you are an experience and your experience will inform other people kind of figuring out their own experiences. I, I hope you know that as therapeutic as I'm sure this was to you, I do believe that this book will kind of help people start to find their own way. Wow. That's really cool of you to say. Thank you. Um, look, in whatever way, I, that, that would, that'd be awesome, <laughs> you know? And, you know, it, if we can each help each other uh, on our own way, help ourselves on our own way and help others on their own way, if we can do that, we all got job security forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, man. I, I hope you and your family are staying safe and healthy in this uh, very surreal timeline that humanity is in. But, um, you know, it, uh, it's, it, I, I also think this book came out at the right time because it feels, it's very hopeful feeling. It's very, it feels, it just feels like a, uh, you know, like a, it feels like, I felt like I'm a freshman and there's a senior sitting me down going, Hey man, you're going to get through high school. It's going to be tough. Don't you worry about it. I'm like, Oh my God, a senior sat down and talked to me. I can't believe this. I feel fucking, this is so cool. You know, you know, this going to be rough, but you're going to get through it. I got through it, you know, it all, you know, and I think that is also the other thing in the bigger picture that is, that is going to be helpful for people is that it does, it does, it does feel hopeful at the same time. Heard, man. Well, I'm with that. I think, you know, a little hope never seems to go out of style. Um, you know, there's a lot to be hopeful about, man. There really is, especially now coming out of this, this year. Um, everyone's looking for new beginnings, man. And we could all, we could all use one. Cool, man. Well, uh, again, this was a real pleasure and, um, I hope you hang in there, man. I, and I hope to hope to see you again sometime you as well. See you hopefully in the new year. All right. All right. Take care. I'll be good. ID 10 T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.